Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie. Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Imaging, grand format printer to the trade. We talk a lot about outsourcing on the podcast and the importance of having good partners. And GCI Digital Imaging is a good partner to have. Owner TJ Bedact and his team focus on providing killer customer service, just the way grandmother used to make it. If you're interested in learning their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode nine, where the guys and I interview TJ about customer experience. So if you're looking for a high quality trade printer for banners, wraps, and other printed graphics that your customers throw at you, check out GCI Digital Imaging at printgci.com. All right, guys, welcome to the next edition of the Better Sign Shop podcast. As always, got my colleague and co-host, Peter, the Sign Shop Yoda. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Happy to be here, everybody. I feel like I had to put a little flair into it that time. Yeah, I feel like I'm like entering into like a boxing ring or better yet, like a wrestling ring. Like, hey, what's it's going it. on? That's me, that's me, yeah. What's up, what's up? <laughs> Are we going to start getting like some intro music going? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Not what the folks come for. No. Uh, nope. Well, cool. Um, Mike is absent today. So we're going to soldier on without him. I'm really excited for today. We've got a special guest. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's catch up real quick, man. How's things? It's been good. It's been good. You know, uh, I'm enjoying working with a couple of sign shop owners, uh, helping them navigate through their their issues. Uh, I'm learning a lot, as a matter of fact. You know, like there are there are things that are happening in my sign shop coaching, consulting, coaching, whatever you want to call it, that I'm realizing that there are a lot of owners out there that are that don't have answers to some, to some of these like real simple questions. Like what? Oh, yeah, well, you know, I want to respect everybody's privacy, but you know, for the, I, these people won't be named, but for the most part, you know, like how do you do rush charges? You know, like when should you charge a rush charge and how much should you charge on rush charges? Uh, go, just thinking back, you know, like employee handbook, employee manual, like, what should should not be included you know should it be three pages long should it be 30 pages long so mm. you know there there's some things from on a when you put on when you decide to be a business owner when you decide to be a sign shop business owner you are getting into a field where you're going to be wearing many different hats and not many of these people that i'm working with understood that like they just think ah yeah I was the graphic designer of this other shop. I decided to open up my own place, and now I'm going to be the business owner and be the head the head chief mm. chief. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, when should you charge three and a half? Should I be charging three and a half percent on credit cards, or should I not? 
Should I be reducing that? When should I charge a rush charge? When should I charge my like? What happens if it's my biggest client and their and their uh, their order comes in under the minimum? Should I put it through at that price? Should I put them through? Should I subject them to my minimum order requirement? There's so many questions that are being asked and. I'm enjoying every little bit of it because it keeps me on my toes. But these things that yeah. you know naturally come, maybe some of us, you know, we we would know how to answer that. We wouldn't have to ask that question. But there are a lot of sign shop owners out there that you know are listening to this podcast and you know reaching out to me and saying, "Hey, you know, what would you do in this situation?" And and I'm loving every little bit of it. So that's uh, that's really what's going on with me these past few days. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some of these questions come up in the community as well of uh, like rush charges and things like that. And there's always, there's always some nuance to it. Right. Um, and maybe that's the part that they're just struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a big customer. It's their biggest customer. Do I risk upsetting that big customer? And then on this one job, you know, there's always ways to tiptoe around certain situations and, and being a uh, sign shop coach, you know, these people are excessive, very, I have made myself very excessive to, to these people. Like they can, accessible, uh, accessible, yeah, right. Excessive, accessible, excessive. <laughs> excessive, no, accessible. I've made myself accessible to these people, you know, that uh, they are writing me, uh, on our Slack channel. And, you know, it seems like I'm in their back pocket. The moment they have a situation arise, they get, they pull out their phone and they're Ah. what would you do here? And I'm like, yeah, all right. I can answer that really quickly. That's a quick, that's a quick little answer, you know? And one of the things that I've been getting a lot of feedback on, uh, just to kind of wet your palate, wet your beak here a little bit is. Do you know I'm all about wetting my beak, my man? (laughs) Is this sign business PDF that's in our uh, sign shop community, right? Like it's under, it's one of those free Uh, resources. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's like 108 pages long, but everybody that's read it, they've hit me with the "aha." You have, you have unlocked Pandora's box. Oh my God! Everything, it's like, like everything connects the moment they read this PDF, and I'm like, guys, I didn't write it. Okay, yeah, I found it from some dude. Many, many years ago, I don't even know where he is anymore, but, you know, we threw it up there. We, it's a great, it, it made a significant impact in my life and it's making a significant impact in others' lives as well, especially regarding the sign pricing area, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't, we, this is a touchy topic for almost every sign shop owner in the, in the <laughs> continental U.S. is pricing, but I did. I would say the world at this point, right? You know what? Absolutely. Yeah. Australia, wherever these people come from, pricing in this world of business is like we could talk for days, not hours, days on on pricing and how to do it correctly. But you read this PDF and a lot of my clients are saying, oh, my God. Oh, it all makes sense. Everything that I've thought, everything that I've said, everything that I've heard on this podcast, it's like all the dots finally connected. It's it's like Tony Stark 
finally d- d- making an element <laughs> to make a brand new, uh, you know, self-sustained uh, electricity. It's like uh, that boom, aha, I've done it. I've solved yeah. time travel. No, I've solved <laughs> sign pricing. Read the PDF. If you haven't, I'm going to have it, the editor just chop in all the sound effects and like some <laughs> explosions and stuff for this episode, right? No. <laughs> Read the PDF, but the, the clients that I've had, they are uh, they're absolutely taken back by it. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it's been really great to see. I didn't write it. I'm not the author, so don't give me the accolades, but I'll take them anyway. Yeah, excellent. Well, man. Yeah, I'm glad you're excited about it. I I knew you wouldn't stay retired for too long. So that's good. I love the business, man. I mean, there's what's not to love about the sign shop industry. In fact, I am really excited about our guest here today. First of all, it's a it's a she's a fellow Signsian. <laughs> signs franchisee. Yeah, yes. Right. I'm not I'm no yeah. longer a franchisee, but I'm so happy to have a franchise owner on this show. I, I I hate that Mike's not going to be here for this one because he, you guys have always gone at the the fast science thing. But well, I'm I'm going to ask her I, do- like one huge question for her. I'm going to ask her what, the million dollar question right as soon as she jumps on here is: Does fast science get a bad rap in her in her neck of the woods? Does it get a bad rap? And I want to know. I want to know because you know the industry experts here. You know, we've had TJ on here not too long ago. We've had. You know, he said Fast Signs is one of his biggest clients, right? But they're mm-hmm. Fast Signs. You know, whatever the heck that means. I don't know. But they're Fast Signs. Like, people like say there's Fast Signs and Signorama, and then there's the real sign shops. I want to know if she believes in that, and we're going to ask her here today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, like, set the stage a little bit, right? This is Women's History Month. Yesterday was, what, International Women's Day. Women's yeah. Day. Women's Day. And here we are the day later recording the podcast. I, this won't go out for several weeks. Uh, so I feel like we're a little disorganized there, but uh, extremely happy to welcome our first female guest to give you some context. Her name is Carrie Brock. She is a Fast Signs franchisee. They're one of the Fast Signs that is. Uh, here I, I'm, I'm being a little partial. I'll say one of the fast signs. There may be many that are actually doing larger sign projects in house. So, and if uh, I'm not mistaken, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, she's in Toledo, right? I believe mm, so. I believe so. Toledo, yeah. and she has this formula that she was able to crack, right? And she's that we're gonna like dive into what that is here like she, she has like a little bit of like a secret sauce that worked for her if i'm not mistaken i'm really eager to hear all about that national award-winning sign and branding package winner wow we are in the presence of a significant franchisee here all right i like it yeah i don't i don't know what the tiers were but i i would think that she's on the the top rung of the the fast signs well we did you guys have tears behind the scenes no, was there like no a, no, <laughs> no no it was not i i, I I'm, I'm pegging it as like a cult or something 
You know, you know, one thing that's really interesting about, you know, having been in this company and I I love all the people there on the executive team and they do a really great job of of bringing in people in this franchise. But uh, I have not, I have never met Carrie and I've gone to several of the conventions. I I think I've seen her. I think I do know of her, but we have never been formally Mm -hmm. introduced and there is no groupings. You know, Fast Signs doesn't say, like, here's the elite, and then here's the poor man. You know, they don't do that. They don't do right. that. They put everybody – everybody's equal. Everybody follows the same model. Everybody follows the same simple formula. But some people do it on a little different scale, right? I chose to do fabrication, and she does too. But there are a significant amount of franchisees in the system that do not do fabrication they outsource this they utilize the fast signs did you guys have like a preferred like in network yeah, vendor they, for that that's what i was gonna say or? they they use the preferred vendor network that fast signs built out they have this really great system where you could just like in the back end like click type in channel letters and then the system tells you like okay these are all the vendors that do channel letters so if you're looking for something specific they have a really great ability to search by product and locate a vendor that might be near you or might be across the country, but is the better priced vendor. And then there's all these vendors that have, you know, discounts for fast signs and X, Y, Z. So, you know, it's a, it's a really great, they built a really great infrastructure. I used, like I said, I used to be a part of it. Very happy to have been a part of it, but I'm always eager to hear what somebody else has done in, in their journey as a franchisee. And I'm, and I'm really eager to hear what, you know, being being a business owner, being a woman business owner in this market, in her market, what that's like. And I'm, I'm sure that our listeners would like to know as well. Yeah, I, I think that's the angle that I'm very interested in exploring as as well as the, the women in signage. Like, you know, it's in our tagline, the crusty sign guys. But, you know, I, it, it, like, I feel like the women that I've seen in our Facebook community and I, I'm going to call out the men here. Like I've seen the women asking way better questions uh, from a business owner perspective than some of the men. Really? And I, I'm, I'm curious to, I have, yeah. And I'm curious to, I want to ask about that. All right, guys. So we are back with our guest, Harry Brock from Fast Signs in Toledo. And what's the, what's the second office, Carrie? I'm going to pronounce <laughs> it wrong. Mommy. Mommy. Now me, mommy. Yeah, close okay. enough. Close mommy. enough. All right. Well, super nice to have you and welcome officially as our first female guest on the podcast. I have no idea how we made it to like 15 episodes without a female guest, but we're super honored to have you. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here. And I know because it's a male dominated industry that's don't have as many to pull from, but watch out. We're out there. You guys have showed up in force, or you ladies, I should say. I have to be careful with my my words. You ladies have showed up in full force in our community, and it was a very proud moment for us to to see that many people show up. Of course, we were kind of worried at first. It was like, who is spamming our community? Because there are so many of you that signed up in a single day. We were like, this is not possible. 
Well, it got posted in um, the Wise Group, so th- which is all women in signs and everything else. And so that that's kind of where it came from. But you guys have been actually very gracious. You know, sometimes it's not as easy to talk to guys in the sign industry. We we don't always have a warm welcome. So we appreciate that from your end too. Excellent. Well, this has been this is a, a great moment for me. I'm not the only Fast Signs franchisee any longer on the podcast, so that's I'm super excited. Uh, how long have you been with uh, the franchise? I have been with the franchise for about 12 years. We were wow. a conversion. You were. Too, so I, was I, a con- I was a conversion yeah. as well. Nice, yep. nice, excellent. And what was the name of your friend, uh, your company before that? Signs and Designs. What a standard design sign shop name, <laughs> right? Pretty, pretty common. <laughs> Nothing fancy. No, no, no signs. I think I have a signs and designs on my in on Long Island somewhere around here. <laughs> was well. there was there any Z at the end of it or no? It was oh, no. just all S's. No. Okay, D- just good. all S's. <laughs> There's so many of those. Yes. So you've been with Fast Signs now twelve years, uh, and you have. Did I understand this right? You have a couple of different locations. Yep, we have two locations. So They're only through, about ten minutes me, apart. But walk me through your journey. How did you start, and then did you convert both of them at the same time? Yeah. So we, uh, I actually started in the industry in '97. My own shop. I had worked at a vinyl shop in college. I absolutely loved it. Loved the industry, and just went my way and decided to open up my own place. And about 14 years in, Fast Signs came knocking. This was a new business model for them was to convert local mom and pops. So I was like, okay, well, prove to me why. And they did. And and we really saw some good benefits to joining the network. So we signed on. At that point, we only had the one location. And the other location we opened about six or seven years ago. Okay, so... They they approached you and you said, "Tell me why, right? I have now, my reasons. I'll I want to hear what your reasons were. Go ahead." Well, I, I struggled with that because they're all like, "Do your due diligence, do your." Due. But we were in the beginning stages of their whole transition of you know converting mm-hmm. people, so I didn't have a lot of people to talk to. And I remember calling up Dan and Naomi Stutzman. They were the first conversion for our network, uh, and I talked to Dan for probably forty five minutes. And at the end of the call, he told me, "I for sure thought you were not going to do it." Wow. And uh, <laughs> okay. so I'm like, "Well, surprise." Um, But I think that we were looking, you know, we were an average center size when we signed up and I was looking for something greater, something bigger. And we have a good network of people locally. You know, one of my best friends owns a mom and pop shop down the street and we absolutely get along and help each other back and forth as much as we can. But having that nationwide network was a big pull for us. Plus, we wanted an outside salesperson. They had an initiative for that. We wanted, you know, the marketing behind it so that I didn't have to worry about that. So there were some added benefits on that scope that we thought were, that made sense for us. Excellent. Excellent. And well, I can't imagine what that conversation was like many years ago, but why don't you just go into it just a minute, if you could, and just tell me what you see now today, looking back, what those advantages are of being a franchisee versus being an independent company? Sure. I mean, to be honest, I somebody asked me the other day, you know, would you do it again? I've said, yes, I wish I would have done it sooner. I wish I would have started as a franchise because I feel like I, I 
learned so much on my own and had to, you know, make my own mistakes and trip through everything. Even though I had the experience through college, it was more so the business aspect. You know, I was the creative, I was the graphic designer. That's why I started it. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually have to know my numbers. I have to know why we're doing this. I have to know how to mark things up. I'm like, how does this work? So I, I wish we would have started it sooner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But and I you were know, just talking about the creative angle before, uh, before you jumped on. It's like serendipity almost of like, hey, you start out as a graphic designer and then you, you want to move up. There's nowhere to go in, in most shops. So right. what do you do? You start your own shop and then the real challenge of of actually managing and running the business end of it kind of rears its head. Yeah. And I think you guys do a great job. You know, we've, I've navigated through your back end of your website and helping people with those things that they struggle with, that they don't maybe have the support of a franchise network. So, you know, it's, it's those items that drove us to our decision. And I, again, wish we would have done it sooner, but yeah, but here we are. Not, you know, it's, I start uh, my background. I started a franchise, right? Converted it over to Fast Signs in, in 2019 or so, and learning about what their systems looked like, I realized just how advantageous it would be for a small business sign shop to come in. And we were talking about like the vendor network. That was what we were talking about just uh, just a, uh, a few minutes before you jumped on here, and talking about how easy it is to like source a vendor that can do something for you, say like channel letters or stickers or, you know, floor graphics, whatever, because you couldn't do it, you know, yourself. So you would tap into their network. So when we've modeled the, at what we're doing here at the, at the, my better sign shop community is we're trying to, we're not a franchise. We're, we're definitely not looking to be a franchise, mm -hmm. but we are looking to put that, those resources in place that franchises get right. So while you know, you have uh, a whole plethora of things as a franchisee, right? These people that there are hundreds, thousands of people across the country that have no idea what you have access, what we have had access to that have made our lives so much easier as franchisees. So uh, as part of like our thought process is what, how can we build out some of this collateral to make the journey of an average sign shop owner that much easier. So I appreciate you saying that that means a lot to us because we've put a lot of thought and effort into those resources, even something as simple as like a job description, you know, writing out how you should write out a job description for hiring a salesperson, a graphic designer, like taking that resource, copying it and pasting it into your Indeed account just seems like too simple, right? But the average sign shop owner is going in here and man, okay, what should I write? What am I looking for? I have to take time out of my day and think about how I'm going to sell my business to somebody. So those resources are, are great. Yeah, and I, well, think about too, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, uh, just think about it when, and you know, when we started back in the day in 1997, I had a plotter and a computer. Yep. <laughs> How simple could it be? Now you've got latex versus solvent versus eco solvent versus UV flatbed versus, oh, hey, there's a cutter. There's a, you know, a table. I'm like, it, it's so much more complicated. I mean, it doesn't have to be that complicated, but, you know, it, it can get overwhelming starting it. And so having those resources, whether it be through you guys or a franchise or something to help navigate that, it, it is huge, I think, in this day and age. 
looking back, like, what would you say is like the biggest, like if you had to pinpoint, here's the one single benefit that we got that was the most advantageous, what would you say it is? I think it was the education to get me out of the day to day so that I don't become the integral part of our business. Now that changes and fluctuates obviously based on staffing, but, um, for the moment, we really haven't had that issue in a while, except for recently. But yeah, for the most part, learning how to actually run my business and free me up to do what I need to do has been the number one instrumental thing and, and has helped me like grow as a person, be a better, you know, feel better about myself, feel like I spend enough time with my family and, and the shop and have that balance. So yeah. That's, yeah. That's the most important thing I think is having that balance. Uh, I talk to a lot of owners that are get, just getting ran over by their shop. Like, Hey, we are spending 60 hours a week and then I get home exhausted uh, only to come back and do it again next week. Yeah. And, but then I look at it too, like when COVID hit, right? So here is my husband works in the business with me. He's back of the shop. I'm front of the shop. And we have two kids and they're school age and everything shuts down. And I'm like, uh, how are we doing this? You know, we got to, we still have to put food on the table. So, you know, having, having something where, okay, I can bring my kids in, they can sit in the conference room or my daughter who at the time was only like nine was answering the phone. I'll get you to a salesperson. And she transferred it to me just to give me that five minutes. Right. So like what you're teaching them and the opportunities that you have for even that kind of growth. I mean, it, it, it is really huge as long as you can set yourself up to do that. And it is hard when you are a mom and pop shop, if you started as the only person in your shop to get out of that role. How long when you began that journey of transitioning out of that role, how long did it take you to get to a point where you were comfortable, like walking off and leaving the shop for a couple of days or, you know, stepping um, out of the day-to-day operations? So I think that part to me, you know, it, it was probably easier back then because the business wasn't as complicated. Okay. Um, gotcha. I remember we had uh, two college interns. They were girls and they were VCT majors and we brought them in. We trained them and I'm like, okay, you literally had two weeks of training. I'm leaving for three days. Have fun. I'll see you when I get back. And they were like, okay, but they did a great job, right? It wasn't as complicated. Now, depending on the staffing we have, you know, I still have anxiety and checking emails and whatever from time to time, but it's okay. We've been able to take two weeks off as a family, walk away, and it hasn't burnt that's down. Excellent. So, you know, we're good. That's excellent. You know, I, it hasn't burned down. We've had a couple of people on here that have had their shops burned down. So I got to take okay. that quite well, literally. <laughs> got to take that quite literally Um, several stories yeah Yeah, it's odd but yeah okay we love knocking on wood (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, definitely so tell tell us and our listeners about these awards that you've won yeah so we're we're very excited we uh in 2017 we won the project of the year for fast signs with our city egg project so that was amazing very excited about that yeah (laughs) that's you guys Uh, photos in my store i love that's Ah, such a great project thank you okay so that that, is our our pride and joy yeah that's our i mean that's our big accomplishment you know just 
just our sales achievement awards and what we've been able to accomplish as a team together. And our outside sales girl is absolutely phenomenal. So she's she's getting up there too in her awards and recognition. So we're we're proud of ourselves. We've done a great job. Uh, tell us more about the City Ag Project for us Fast Signs outsiders. <laughs> yeah, because I, I apologize to Fast Signs people if it's like beat in your beating <laughs> a, a dead horse. But um, so we have a client who has used us for 20 plus years. Um, they own an, a restaurant concept called Scramblers, which is a dine in uh, sit down restaurant. And we did all of their marketing and advertising. We even fine-tuned their original logo. And they've, they've gone through transitions over the years of changing their name and things like that. And they were really set on opening a fast casual concept. And so once that finally came to fruition, we're like, okay, well, you know, what are you going to call it? Whatever. He's like, no, you're, you're going to figure out what we're going to call it. I need a brand. I need a name. I need the concept. Create the concept. I was like, Okay, we can do this. Now, my background is interior design. That's what I went to school for. So I'm like, okay, well, we can, we can handle that. We got branding. I can figure out the design part. We're good. So we did. We, we put together three brand packages, different names, different logos, and uh, even interior boards of what it would look like, exterior boards, what it would look like. And I pitched it to him and he hated it. <laughs> He absolutely hated it because it didn't have the original Scrambler's name in it. And I was like, but it's a totally different concept. Like it's, it's a, you know, we have a different demographic. We have a different, the foods are kind of the same, but they're not going to be called the same. So it took a minute to convince him, but finally we got over the hump. And so uh, we like to say City Egg was hatched and we just uh, installed the third, the third location a few weeks ago. So, yeah. That's amazing. I had I had no idea that that was you coming into this. So that's a little bit of a shocker to me. Yes, it, uh, Brian, just to let you know, okay, uh, give you a little bit of background for our listeners here. I'm only familiar with City Egg. I'm all the way here in New York. You're in Toledo and, you know, you've done this project. And now pretty much I think every center that has opened has like this sample in their lobby. Like I have a giant uh, City Egg <laughs> Like, this is what we can do for you. It's like, yeah, you guys did that. And we're like, yup, we did. Fast so Signs is, did. Fast so, Signs did, just not my Fast Signs. But uh, a Carrie fast and her and team, you what, you're, what you're telling me is Carrie and her team are the model of what we can do for you in every single Fast Signs uh, across uh, that's the country. Why, that, that explains my reaction. She said, City Egg. I'm like, you get the heck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, congratulations that's awesome you got that's such a great project and you said then they have now opened up a couple of different uh, locations yeah so there it, the initial one was in columbus ohio yep. and then we did one in toledo downtown toledo and then the third one was in bowling green which is about 30 minutes away from us it's a college town and uh it fits the demographic really well but yeah we'll see how that goes i i don't even know that they've officially opened the doors yet because there were some hurdles with uh permitting and whatnot but yeah so the, it's exciting it's exciting that they're growing that concept as well great great so great i'm gonna, I'm gonna play mike here pete just because okay. he's right, not on here uh -oh. this, this is not typically something i would associate with fast science so correct it'll like kind of give me the backstory there like what was it like was there like a transition process had you guys done a lot of branding work and like larger, I you know, I like entire 
signed packages and branding packages before, or was this kind of new? Yeah. So, I mean, with scramblers we had, so we had history with the client. We did all of the, when, when they rebranded to scramblers, because like I said, they've renamed themselves a couple times. And, um, when they came up with scramblers again, we did all kinds of interior packaging, the exterior signs and put together their standards. Like even though they might open a scramblers in another state, we won't necessarily do the sign for them, but they're getting our sign specs so that they make it to what we have dictated. So we already had that relationship with the customer. So I think that that's what helped. But in the end, I mean, yes, we we now do quite a bit of architectural signage and full sign packages. Before that, I wouldn't say we put together a whole piece for somebody, but have we done all of those components separately for different customers? Yes. So it wasn't a new concept as far as the pieces and parts. And I think that's what people need to realize is these large scale projects are really taking one-offs of other things you've done and just making it one job, which in, really is the best thing, right? Because it's one customer, one job, one focus. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the shift is like thinking of it as more of like a consultant hat on instead of like, hey, I'm a sign guy or a sign woman. Like we're just making signs, you know. And yeah, so the, even the last city egg that we did, you know, I drove out there and I took my designer with me this time, and we walked the place and we helped break it out like, okay, this is where you should put your kiosk for ordering. This is where your barista is going to be. Okay, well, then we'll move this to this place. And so we kind of mapped out the floor plan too. But I think that also goes a little bit hand in hand, like I said, with my background. So not every sign company or even, you know, traditional sign companies are going to necessarily have that advantage or be able to do that. But as long as you can walk into a space and say, hey, I can really take these walls and build something for you that looks appealing. That's what the customer really needs, right? It's something to dress up that atmosphere. Carrie, I can't agree with you more. I I try to preach what you just said in so many training sessions and where I get the biggest pushback from our listeners is how do you get to be that authoritative figure? You have you have done everything right with the city egg. You've done everything right. They would be a fool to ever not listen to you going forward. But here's the thing. You telling them where to place their kiosks, and this is like what you, you're now infusing fast signs, Carrie Brock, you, your company, your designer, everything into their ecosystem, into their operation. You are now no longer a sign maker right? You are a linchpin to their success. So I don't know if you have an answer, but I will ask nonetheless, but how does a sign shop get there with a customer? What do you do? What were some of the things that you've done to help make that journey happen? Turn this customer into one of your largest accounts. So I think the key is trust and the relationship you have. Now, I will be honest, he's tried to fire me a couple times and I said, go ahead. <laughs> you, you just can't, you cannot be afraid of losing that customer, but you still have to 
listen enough and be adamant enough in, if you listen to me, I promise I won't steer you wrong. I have the suggestions that I have for a reason and here's why. Back them up, you know, explain what the the purpose is for your decisions. But have the confidence to know like, okay, if they don't choose it, that's fine. I will do whatever you want. We will mock it up both ways, right? Like, here's what you wanted. Here's what we suggest. Those kind of simple things, even when you're talking about smaller projects. But you have to have some sort of knowledge and education to back up what you're saying, because ultimately, they are buying on your knowledge. And if you have the confidence to show that, it's easy. But, but not overconfidence, right? Like, no offense, but sometimes men get a little <laughs> egotistical. I'm only saying that because this is about women in yeah, science. Yeah, but, yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go in and bowl them over. You want to impress them. You want to wow them. And you want to explain, I have reasonings. Okay, but what do men do wrong here? So sometimes your, I feel man, like... You, 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 can, you can be honest. Like, tell me, what, yeah. what do you see men business doing wrong that maybe women take a nicer route to doing well sometimes i feel like the approach is a little more it's it's direct and i can definitely be direct but i'm going to soften it i'm going to be a little more pc or i'm going to have a little more polish to what i'm saying because i don't want to i'm not trying to offend you i'm not trying to come across as the albeit knowing everything but i'm going to show that i do have knowledge and education which you know that that's part of it right like part of it is instilling that trust without offending them or without making them feel like well, I got to go with him because he he's strong arming me. Like it's it's my way or no way. We've heard all the stories about how competitors handle certain things, and you know we take a different approach sometimes. We are non-assuming. We are more. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to listen to all your needs. I'm going to reiterate to you what you just told me because I heard you. I didn't just listen. I heard you. And here's how I can solve that problem for you. Whereas sometimes, you know, think about it too. Men want to solve problems, but half the time they've already decided what they're going to do because they know. (laughs) You're you're laughing because you know I'm right. Yes, exactly. You're describing every conversation with my wife where she complains to me about something. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, okay, I could do this. I could do this. Like before she's even spit the whole thing out, I'm already like, Okay, like yep, how can I fix this months. and move on? It's it's hundred no, percent correct. As a, as a sign shop, as a male sign shop owner, you know you're hit. You hit the helmet right on the head with that last statement. It's like, yeah, I know what you need. I already have my mind made up of what's going to go well here, and now my job is convincing you of that solution. Whereas, you know, maybe maybe you're taking a more softer approach. Uh, maybe you're you like you said, you are listening, not just to respond you're listening so that you can formulate a much better thought or lucid thought um yeah men men can be like that i know i am so i i'm not going to speak for all men but i i can definitely agree to that i'm gonna and i'm not saying it's all men (laughs) yeah i'm gonna generalize and say like tactful and i heard carrie say relationship earlier in that same context i'll give you an example pete like a former boss that i had not so distant past he and i would occasionally butt heads on certain things but there was a, a an amazing female on our team that could take the same argument that i had and sway him to her side 
in a way that I just, I could not. Very Well, think about it too. We're so nurturing by nature and not all women, right? Like this is, we're doing very broad generalizations, but we are more nurturing. So I am going to present you with two options. I'm going to present you with, this is what you want, or this is what you think you want. And this is what I think you should have. And here's why, here's why I don't like this option. And here's why I think this option is better. So it's just, it's being that open to, I will do what you want to do, but I do think there's a different option. Whereas sometimes I think guys come in with, nope, this is it. This is how we're doing it. Sign on the line. Give me your deposit. Let's go. I'm moving on to the next one. And I'm like, "Ah, okay. You know, I I think you're, you're accurate on a lot of counts. I'm never coming back on this podcast again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're speaking too much truth. (laughs) That's, uh, that's why we're we're laughing and uh, getting red in the face because I, like yeah. I can totally identify with it, especially in my personal life. Um, so like, well, and trust me, yeah, I told you I work with my husband, so I, I still even have to do that with him uh, that's, to yeah. get him to do a project. <laughs> <laughs> that's an inter- Yeah, I'm glad you brought that back up. That was one of the things that I wanted to ask about. Was like, what is it like working with your husband on a day to day basis? Honestly. Most days it's great. We we get along very, very well. You know, we we definitely know what the other needs to get their stuff done, whether it's, you know, in the business or at home. And we lean on each other's strengths. And and that's not necessarily always the case. And we because we work in two separate sections of the business, I think really that helps. You know, if we were both salespeople, I don't know how well that would work. Or if we were both production people, I don't know how that would work. But you know, there are times where I do have to push a little bit, like, okay. I know you're telling me this is going to take a while, but what's a while? Like I need a time, like I need a deadline. I need some answers, but yeah, for the most part, we get along pretty well and we don't butt heads too much. Although our younger, one of our younger team members, he's in BAP with my husband and sometimes he'll be listening and he'll be like, okay, I'm having a discussion. <laughs> Do you guys have like any type of agreement that you like, hey, once we leave the shop, like everything work stops or... Yeah. I'm- oh God, no. We talk about it. You know, okay. like we come home to dinner and the kids are like, are you guys done yet? So I'm like, nope, keep going. <laughs> uh, I, I was just curious because I, like I look at my wife and I, as a, as a couple, we were great. If we were like in business together, it would it, like, it would totally not work just at all. I, I realize we're a rarity. I, I do accept that. Well, and, and we've had other, you know, like I can think of Chris and his wife, Peter. Yep. We've That's had, the one that comes to mind. Yep. Yeah. We've had several people that, that work with their family that are, have been successful on the podcast. So, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's something there that we should explore further. I will say I used to, my dad used to be in the business for a minute. Everyone thinks, oh, your dad started it. No, he, he was a fighter pilot, had nothing to do with it, retired, needed a job. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> But um, he uh, he and I would butt heads way more than Randy and I. Randy and I get along much better. We're more even keeled. We balance each other out. But he and I, it was that whole dad or dad daughter relationship where he couldn't get past the. But I'm the dad. I'm in charge. I'm like, but I own more than you. Let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> I'm the one helping you out, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a two way street, but I just took more percentage. That's okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So what has been your experience as just a a woman in the sign industry kind of 
in general over the last you know 20 years or so so i think it was it was a lot different back in the day and especially when my dad would work with me so he was also back of the shop versus front of the shop. And so I'd be waiting on a customer and talking to them and he'd walk in the front door to go do something. And they're like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. Start talking to him. And I'm like, he can't help you. <laughs> he can't answer your questions. He, but they would just direct it. Cause they thought, Oh, he, he must own it. He must know. Um, and it was hard, I think in the beginning, because building that trust with like contractors, we, we were in a plaza with a bunch of plumbing and building and all those kind of contractors. And so gaining their trust that, yeah, I, I can put a sign together. You guys build houses, but I can put a sign together. It was a little more tricky back then. I feel like lately, especially in the last five years, it has definitely shifted. And I've seen more and more women and connected with more and more women, like with the Wendy Graves in the Wise Women and uh, even other Fast Signs owners have been fantastic. We really have come together to help support each other and build each other up. So it's been much different over the last five years versus 26 years ago. Yeah. Carrie, what, what advice do you have for other women in the industry? I, I would tell them to know their technical details because we are very tech oriented, right? As far as technicalities, um, engineering, that kind of stuff. So don't be afraid of that. Learn as much as you can about that because that's where I see most of the time where we get looked down upon, like, yeah, you might be able to do the design work and you might make it look pretty, but do you know how it functions? So just know your stuff and know how to back that up and educate, educate, educate yourself. Okay. So how could we get more women interested in or involved in the sign industry? What would you think would be a good way for, for us in this platform and any other platforms that are out there, how, what would you suggest would be a good way of. You need a panelist. That's a woman. No. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> call you it like she's intimidating. Yes. Um, no, but seriously, I think like, you know, just being open to having the conversations and being willing to listen to us and understand and, and know too, that we don't know everything. Just you guys don't know everything. We don't know everything, but together we can make it so much better. And like you guys have already done, just letting us speak and ask questions and be a source or ask for resources in your group. That's even better. And having that open welcoming forum, that's all we're looking for. Because remember, we're the ones wanting to connect and build the relationships and all of that. So we Mm -hmm. thrive on making sure that we have good, solid resources. And I would rather run to somebody who has more knowledge and expertise than I do, whether it's a man or a woman as long as I know that it's an approachable situation. Great. Do you have any questions for us before we go? (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I feel like I know you guys, I listen to all the podcasts, but I'm like, you need more of them faster. I'm like every so many weeks is killing me here. I've got got one question that I I mentioned. I was going to ask this to Peter, like ever since the, the women in signs group joined our group, like Probably, I think there was a hundred women that joined afterwards, after the first came. But I noticed that the women were asking way better questions as a business owner than some of the, the men in the group were. And I didn't know if there's, like, if you had any hypothesis or you know, reason why that is or 
I was just curious. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think that we, maybe sometimes we see a bigger picture and, and don't try to get lost in the weeds. Although, you know, that depends on the person. I can get lost in the weeds on a project easily too. But yeah, just always trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to juggle so many things that we need to be as efficient as possible. We need to have answers to certain things so that we can make a system and then move on. You know, I think we're, we're really good at making systems. We have to juggle the house and juggle the kids and juggle the business. Um, so we're just trying to make it all work. And, you know, if you guys have answers, <laughs> we're all for hearing them because if it can make our lives easier so we can, you know, not drop every ball that we're carrying, that'd be great. So what's what's the what's the future for you? What's the future for your business? What does that look like next three, five, ten years? Yeah, so I you know, I wish I could tell you because if if you would have asked me ten years ago, would you be fabricating large electrical signs? Would you be doing this? Would you I would have said no. Actually, my dad had those dreams and I'm like, we're not doing that. I am not doing that. As we have a wall paint booth now and everything yeah. No. Actually, Actually, hold on. I'm going to ask you a different question. And, okay. And, and I actually promised our listeners I would definitely ask here. So I, I almost forgot to ask. Okay. Fast Signs, the network, when you take a look at the collective, the macro of all of the owners, the majority of them do not fabricate. The right. majority of them do not. I did. You do. Why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that fast sign says to you, yeah, fabrication is not necessarily a part of our desired business model, but you can grow into it. Why do you think that that is? I think the biggest reason is there's just so many more complexities to it. You know, to to get up and running as a print shop, vinyl shop, that's a lot simpler process. You know, when you start talking about fabrication, there's a lot more rules, regulations. You know, you're you're talking a lot of different technicalities that not everyone can handle, and it takes a skill set. You know, I I probably wouldn't be doing it, but my husband has a mechanics background. He has welding certs. Like he kind of drove us into this. Our clients drove us into it. The market that we're in drove us into it. So I think it's not as easy to replicate, and there's a lot more questions that come up with that. So they might not. Be, they are getting better. We have an exterior fabrication group. If you're not, you know, if you want to check that out, but. I think that it's a harder track to the business to get up and running. Do you enjoy that you fabricate or would you ever think about going back? Could you ever go backwards if you can back to a final shop? No. You know, some days I think, oh my God, we were so much more profitable when we were so much more simpler. But it's <laughs> it, <laughs> that. Yeah. question because vinyl shops, you know, they preach. Interior decor, interior decor, high profit margins. We get into this, we get into this business, not as a fast signs, but as a desired sign shop owner, because we know margins and vinyl are through the roof, right? I hope our customers are not listening to this, but yeah, you know (laughs) what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, we make some good money. We make some good money on design and vinyl related products. Everybody knows that. But once you get into fabrication, what what they also know is the margins are lower. So with margins being lower, but the ticketed sales being higher, 
right? One might argue, I mean, I'm not one to argue this question, but I have had people on this show say, why would you ever get into that? You know, what was the reasoning behind it? Uh, I don't have a mechanical background. I had to learn on the job. So learning how to use a CNC router, learning how to use a laser, a channel letter, you know, AccuBend, you know, and all the machines that go along with that, that comes with, okay, I got to, I'm going to school today and I'm going to learn this new machine. But why do you go through that when the margins are lower? Well, and I think you brought up a good point. The margins might be lower percentage wise, but the tickets are bigger. So that does balance itself out. I'm not going to lie. I do feel like we probably make more money now than we did 20 years ago. But, you know, I had a fast science owner in my board group ask me the same thing. You know, I know, Carrie, that it's all fun and creative and, and you like the, the creativeness of it, but shouldn't you just go back to the regular model? And I'm like, no, because this is, for one, if you look at my whip, it's more than 50% of our whip right now. So no, I'm not going to go back and cut our sales in half. <laughs> um, but but it, it's it's the challenge. You know, I, I we focus here in our shop on solution-based thinking. That is the number one thing that everyone needs to come to the table with. And we all enjoy that. And we really care about making those brands stand out and look different and unique. And so that is the avenue where we feel we get the most bang for our buck. So, so I'm gonna echo I'm gonna echo that same sentiment, but I'm gonna just take it a little bit a little bit further. See, the reason why I got into fabrication was because I wanted the control of all of those things that are in your head, right? So if I needed to route something, dimensional letters. I knew that I was going to produce it and what my capabilities were, not what a vendor's capabilities were and having to, you know, possibly go through that procedure of going through, okay, let's, let's, let's send them the mock-up. Let's wait for a quote. Let's get this back. Let's take a look at it. Let's make sure they got it right. If, if I can own that entire process with my creative team, Okay, we're going to make three layered dimensional HDU signs, paint, some graphics, XYZ. I actually know how to build that with within my own resources. So material cost, equipment, timing, overhead, all that goes into that formula. And that's why I decided to get into it because I can have 100% control over the, the sale price, right? And people might say to you, well, Pete, I always have 100% control over the sale price. If I'm outsourcing it, I can control what I want to do. I'm like, wrong. You don't. You don't control it because that vendor has a price. You know, the, the, that's that price from that 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 vendor, that that supplier. And you know, you have to live outside of that. You have to live it with those margins being uh taken up out of your pocket. So if you can bring all of that into your company, all that equipment, maybe extra labor maybe extra square footage, whatever the case may be. The goal for me was, well, now I'm going to be able to produce a channel letter product or a routed product or a painted project. Whatever the case was, I'm going to be able to handle it inside my four walls. And that's the reason why I did. So I, I like what you said. I love what, no, excuse me. I love what you said. But, you know, when Fast Signs looked at my company, they said, well, you know, we just don't do fabrication you know it's just not our not, thing. not our thing you know we have a vendor <laughs> network for that and i'm like okay well 
that was that was the biggest uh, for me when big, deciding on converting. That was the biggest like sticking man, point putting, of contention. They're, putting, they're yeah. putting a lot of emphasis on interior decor, and I'm like, well, my mark. You said your market dictated your whip, and I like I look at like I've done 18 channel letter jobs this month, and I'm like, I, I'm not gonna throw that away. I right. mean, yeah, I make more margin <laughs> on vinyl, but. I, these this is like two hundred three hundred thousand dollars worth of sales right here. I'm 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 not throwing that away. So yeah, and for those of you out there that don't know, whip it means work in progress. I I knew what you meant when you said that, but I'm not sure if our listeners did. But okay, go ahead. Well, the other thing too, I mean, you brought up really good points because on one of your podcasts, you guys talked about outsourcing so much, and I literally was cringing and having like ticks when you guys were talking <laughs> about it because. <laughs> I agree to an extent, like, I'm not going to go run out and get a dye sub machine. I'm not going to go print fabric. I'm not going to do certain things. But mm-hmm. you, your story is exactly why we bought our channel letter vendor. So for one, I, we weren't competitive with one of the number one companies in town. Like I could not win a set of channel letters against them if we were going head to head on price only. Right. So I'm like, okay, we've got to build them ourselves. If they're building them themselves, we've got to build them ourselves. 2020 hits. Cause I think we got it in 19 or right before 2020 converted or changed over 2020 hits. Guess what? There are no raceways. The channel letter people are 12 to 15 weeks out. I knocked out a set of channelers in two weeks. I'm like, ha ha, we got you. Cause now we've got you on time because they weren't building their channelers in house. They were using the same vendor we were, but they weren't marking it up as much. They weren't marking uh, it up at all. So I'm like, okay, well now I'm, I'm making money, more money because you know, it's, it's a little bit of labor, but once the guys figured out how to use it, that's the other thing. These bigger projects, they're bigger ticket items, but Think of how long it takes to print a roll of vinyl, laminate it, cut it, process it. That's a lot of labor intensiveness where a set of channel letters we can knock out in a couple days. Not not as much. And one guy and one basic machine. I mean, it, it's a it's a game changer. It really is. But my husband was not on board with that channel letter bender for years. I was like, we need one. We need one. He's like, nope. And then I won. <laughs> I would say that you would have definitely won that argument. Uh, I can't I can't side with anybody that thinks that <laughs> bending letters manually is faster than what I can put out of the machine. Oh, he didn't I, want to do it at all. He, he didn't want to do it at all. He didn't want to do it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't I was like, no, we're getting this machine. machine. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. no yeah. You won that argument. Yeah. I, I'm going to go on I record did. here, Carrie, and just suggest yeah. that your superpower is like rising to the challenge and like figuring it out. Is that would that would that I, I, be close if you were I'll to take that. I'll like accept classify that. yourself? Yeah. I, I can accept that. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that come up several times and I, I just wanted to call it out. <laughs> and like I and that's yeah, that's totally a okay. Like hey, when I started in the industry, I was driven by a lot of those same things of like, hey, how is this sign made and can we make something like that in house? Yeah, and that drove me a, a lot of times more than I care to admit. Where I would be working long hours just trying to figure something out, uh, kind of the challenge of it. And next still, up is awnings, but my husband still says no. I'm like, I'm going to win that one too, but give me give me a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, so you talk to us about the future as we kind of bring this one to a close. Like, what's the future yeah, for you? So, I mean, what's the future for the shop? We'll, we'll keep it you know, really we, open ended. 
Yeah, we continue to do what we do. And I just, you know, we like to bring in more capabilities and more people. And yeah, I mean, doing the same thing we always do. And we just grow with it and grow with our clients. I, I don't know, however, to sum that up any better than that. It, any specific plans, more locations, more equipment, more capabilities? Like, what's the, what is, let me rephrase, like, what's the end game for you? So, you know, I'm approaching 50 and my husband's already in his 50. So, you know, we are thinking about the downturn eventually, you know, 10 years from now. But um, we, we built this building we're in about four years ago and we've already outgrown it. It's about 6,500 square feet. So we would like to build out a separate fab shop. And if we do that, I will win the awning argument. But we, we, it'll be, you know, something on the back lot so that we can just have fab separated out from the rest of it because that's just the part that's growing more and more. More intricate things, you know, we've done LEDs and EMCs and and tall gas station signs. And so I feel like we've stretched our gamut pretty well as far as that goes. But I, I really am open for whatever comes our way. And, you know, as long as they're willing to accept the challenge with me. But more people, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Excellent. I, I love it. Beautiful. Pete? Any other questions on the, the fast signs side of things? We all, and we beat that to death. Are you, I think we, I think we may have beaten <laughs> I, that to death uh, a little bit. I mean, I, I'm so excited. Uh, we're, we're, I was so excited to have you on here, Carrie. So uh, we can geek out a little bit. Um, did you, did you go to convention? I did. Past, uh, I did. did? Uh, yep. yep. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. How did you like uh, Las Vegas? Ugh, I hate Las Vegas. I'm like, everything's in Las Vegas this year. I'm like, no, I'm not going to ISA. I'm not going, no, I'm not going to any of that. Yeah, once was enough. I just, not not me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on board here and talking with Brian and I. I'm I'm so happy to have you and good luck the rest of the way. And City Egg, do not fire Harry Brock and Fast Signs. That is never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If uh, anybody is interested in learning more about City Egg Project or your locations or connecting with you, is there any place you'd like them to reach out? Are you on they Twitter, can email me. LinkedIn, email? Oh, yeah, email's fine. I'm like, not Twitter. TikTok. <laughs> My kids are oh. you know, like <laughs> complaining to me that I need to get TikTok. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. We started a TikTok channel for the shop. There you go. You you can check that out. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much to do with it, but you can see some of the creativity about our team. Yeah. Harry, what's your store number? 584. Okay. So everybody can get Carrie at 584 at fastsigns.com. 584-at-fastsigns.com. Thank you so much, Carrie. Appreciate you jumping on Thanks, with us. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, Gary. You too. Bye. All right. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes and check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.